What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Mark. Steven. Isn't there a lot happening right now? Well, I'm gearing up for departure in the morning to Texas. And what's that about? It's my somewhat delayed 20th year high school reunion. Oh, okay. This was the um, rent a Maserati to show up and and kind of sling it around in front of the the old crew. Yeah, well, that was never my intention. Well, I'm not going to defend myself again. <laughs> I've already said what I was going to say. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's about... Uh, a 70% attendance rate for our class is what the, oh, that's the invite shows. No, on, the, on the other extreme, in a couple of weeks, I've got my 20th anniversary getaway coming up. That would be a time wow. where I think a Maserati would be appropriate. Yes. But I learned something painful I'll just share with the people. We're flying into LaGuardia, NYC, but we're going away from Manhattan into the Hudson River Valley and all the cute little towns south of the Poconos. Um, so I, I thought, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Turo, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll get me a fabulous Turo. And um, there is not a Turo, not a single car within... 15 miles of LaGuardia. You have to go into New Jersey and that's where all of the Turos are. And they're, they're totally affordable. Great. But that's not going to happen for me. So I'm just got to get the regular old airport rental. Increasingly, I'm moving away from the sharing economy. I was as much of a Turo evangelist as you were, but yeah. It's it's when it's good, it's good. Yes. And when it's not, it's That's a true. real pain in the butt. Well, it's just like Airbnb. When they're great, they're great. And when they're not, they're not. We just had a great Airbnb experience in El Paso. Cool. Well, um, the only other thing that really happened to me in the last week is, since we, we were last recording is that I was sort of at the at the center of a little social media controversy oh a little a little frenzy was there a little feeding frenzy around you well you tell me uh and this will this will go into our topic for the day but okay for, i actually think uh your your favorite tweeter daryl harrison oh yeah uh, had, had liked a tweet which caused it to show up on my feed uh-huh. and it was some christian lady saying do you celebrate or what are your thoughts on christians celebrating passover and so uh-huh. i put a th- thoughtful 140 character response about how we sort of enjoy Passover and we don't make a law of it, but we, you know, everything we've talked about here. Yeah. And some chuckle headed lady comes in and accuses me of cultural appropriation and white supremacy. Um, And I kind of blew her off without too much ado. I just said, whatever lady if you've if you've ever been exposed to christianity and a satyr you would say these two things seem to to go together um but i did not realize that that lady had tens of thousands of followers that were then going to descend and it, i i had to disable my twitter notifications i had to completely 
unplug from from that platform for a while because of these awful people that it really made me kind of step back and go is this and you can tell me but is this what the world thinks about christianity like their main beef was bro it sounds like i mean I'm sure you aren't you don't actually think this, but it sounds like you think that Jesus is the right thing for everybody. Right. Oh, and yeah. how dare you? And I was kind of flabbergasted that there was so much anger and vitriol and open threats that came from such a and I, I didn't actually respond to any of these comments. They just went on and on. And I bet if I turned it on now, I'd see another thousand notifications. But uh yeah, it was a little disconcerting, and through it all, I was wondering, where is the Abraham's Wallet mob that can come to uh, <laughs> rescue? I know. I was like, this this kook lady who travels around and teaches churches to abandon Christ, uh, she's got her followers. Where where are my people? So, I think our anyway. people are chasing kids around and uh, doing barn raisings with their friends. You mean they're they're taking dominion out yes. of the world. They're taking yeah. dominion. Well, that's a nice intro into the subject. However, and it was a really nice intro into the subject. I just got to throw in something that I think is fascinating. I think it'll fascinate you. I think it'll fascinate the people. Um, first of all, I should say something about this. Um, when, when we did an episode on large families, I threw out um, an open-ended invite. And I said, We have so many wonderful large families here in Cincinnati that if any of our listeners would be interested in being around wonderful large families, they should contact us and they should come up here and do a tour and spend time with some of these families. Well, we had an intrepid listener um, who who said, I I, I won't use his name because I don't have permission, but um, who said, "I, I would do that. So this family came into town, they flew in spent the weekend and I set up kind of an itinerary of them being around uh, families. And uh, I can also put in a plug here, got to visit our, our Midrash. Um, so great weekend with them. Well, one in that weekend, there was a guy's uh, hangout time around a, a fire pit and uh, there were cigars distributed and I'd smoke this cigar down to half or something. And that night thought, hmm, this, boy, there is something not happy in my mouth. It's like a, it's like the cigar went sour. Or like, but it was mouth cancer, right? Or some kind of rancid coffee or something. And actually the next day I woke up with that taste in my mouth and thought, I'll drink something powerful. So I think I drank some kind of coffee. I'll get this out. Well, everything tasted that way. And I thought, well, this is bizarre. And as the days wore on, I thought, um, there are foods that are tasting like this kind of garbagey, bad ashtray, sour taste in my mouth and other foods, which are not tasting that way. And, um, Mark, I haven't recovered from the, my smell and taste has not recovered from the last whatever bout of COVID that I had. Did you know that this is kind of a weird virus? Have you ever yes, heard of this, COVID-19? I have, yes. 
well, it's this virus that's gone around. Some people have gotten, a lot of people have gotten it. And it does weird things to you. Um, as if it was cooked up. I mean, as that's, it's as if it was cooked up. And um, anyways, I'm, I've have discovered I'm one of like 10% of people who, when they lose their taste and smell, it doesn't come back. Uh, it, it's supposed to come back in like a year's time. But in this window, I have something called parosmia. I monitor my parosmia about uh, every two hours, and which means I smell something and go, that smells like garbage. I don't want to eat that. Oh, that smells, that smells good. Um, and it's bizarre, the things that, I mean, peanut butter has this same disgusting flavor to it right now. It's a, it's a, it's a bizarre kind of, kind, kind of thing. And I went and looked, looked up some stuff on it and that's, it's pretty common. The symptoms that I'm having are pretty common. They say there's nothing to be done about it. There's no pills to be taken. You just wait a while. And while your brain is putting the puzzle pieces back together of taste and smell, one of them's going, bah, bah, and that's it. Interesting, huh? Yeah, that doesn't sound super fun. It's okay. It, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. So, so well, more foods taste bad than you're used to. It's okay. We will start a segment called has steven gotten checked for a brain tumor yet that's great that that'll be that'll be a segment everyone looks forward to people i mean it's got it's like a high consequence there's there's real stakes here uh-huh. we could have your wife and kids come on and talk about how they would feel uh-huh. this is really maybe you should cut this out i don't know <laughs> my parosmia how's stevie's parosmia we have jingle music my wife has just started speaking of HSAs. My wife has just started uh, like uh, Invisaligns. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. So that's a that's a big talk around my house as well. So we're all we're all talking about our symptoms, and everybody's going like, yeah, 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 got it. Move on, move on. Um, one more thing before we get in. Okay. Coming up very soon, I'm going to be sure to post this episode so that there's a couple of weeks between this announcement and and the, the event I'm about to announce. If you're in the Columbus, yay, verily, the Ohio area, um, I'm going to be leading a day-long workshop. You know how we have this uh, class where you can uh, figure out your um, family vision statement? You know, we have this online course. Yes. You're aware of that? Well, we're going to do that live. Um, one of our uh, w- one of our good friends, friends of the pod, hosting me, and I'm going to be leading this at a church and walking people in, in a workshop in a day, actually walking through creating your family vision statement. So I'm going to be there live to help people put the statements together and ask and answer questions and et cetera, et cetera. On May, 12th. are you going to are you going to do kind of Tony Robbins style where you get someone to stand up and you're like, I want you to say your vision. And they say it kind of meekly, like my vision is to love Christ and love others. And you're like, no, that's not a good vision. And then at the end they're crying and the, but they're happy. That's is that kind of how it's going to go. Yeah. That's the goal. How that's is it going to be thousands of people at this event? Yeah, I think so. And by the way, no. I got the date wrong. I just opened up my calendar. It's it's May 14. Sorry, May 14. You can always, of course, you can always email you, Mark at Abraham's Wallet. Yep. 
you could or you could you could even get on the volley channel which is also linked in the show notes there's so many ways to contact us okay i'm gonna let i'm gonna let you go in a second but i thought it might be helpful for people who haven't heard uh our pitch for passover to just describe it uh biblically and historically um i had this conversation this is a crazy weekend for us I'll, i'll tell a little bit about that later but um, I was having a conversation with some folks about why, why celebrate this setter. And specifically, the question was asked, well, if, if Passover is such a big deal, why do we have Easter? Um, great question. I would like to answer that right now um, and say that for the people who got upset at you, there's a historical reason and those people have been conditioned to get upset at you on Twitter. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. So it's illegal. It's illegal for Christians to celebrate the Passover. Ever since 768? Is that the year? Something close to that. So yeah. what, the reason... We, we that- opened our Seder with that statement, which you put in your guide for... Passover uh, with young families. Yes, I'm going to read. The, I'm going to read the beginning of of our setter, which is okay. Wait, before we go any further, you keep saying setter. I've never heard anyone say setter. Is that the way I'm supposed to be saying it? There's so many pronunciations. So the I think the way a Jew says that word is setter. A Gentile says seder. No problem. Okay. You can say Passover. A Jew will say. Pesach. Got it. It's it's all fine. Okay. So the official church at the time, the Catholic church, repeatedly and consistently severed Jewish roots. We could go into what what spiritually was happening that they needed to do this. I don't see anything in my Bible that says that. And moreover, I, I would see the opposite, which I'll get to in a second. But something was happening in the Catholic Church way back in 306 A.D. The Church Synod of Elvira forbade Christians to marry Jews, okay, to receive Jewish prayers or blessings. Uh, That seems weird. By the way, um, we did travel this past week, and in the airport I saw some dudes— who were clearly Orthodox Jews. And I went up to them and started to have a conversation. They said they, they wanted to pronounce the, the, um, the blessing of Deuteronomy 6 over me. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So you're saying you went up to some, are we talking black hats here? We are. And you said, I'm going to do a setter. And they didn't say, well, you're obviously a white supremacist and you hate us. They were excited about this. Very pleased. Wow. Okay. Continue. So um, I'll just gloss over that conversation and just say it ended with these guys pronouncing biblical blessings over me as Jews. And and uh, I actually sent a, a photo of myself. I'll, I'll attach it here if I can that I sent to um, um, my, my personal Jew rabbi, John. 
and and sent them. I told them what happened, and they wanted to strap the phylacteries to my forehead and my arm, and which has bits of the Torah in it. As they prayed to serve me, I was like, John, I did it because it's because these are Jews, and this is the Bible we're talking about. Did I break a rule? Did I do something bad there? And he's like, Oh, you're fine. It's all right. That's no no problem. He doesn't talk like that, but I like to imagine him talking that way. So that was a, that was against the law. What I did. So these guys wrapped Telfin on you in the airport. Yes, that's crazy. Did people? I mean, I know you were delighted either way, but did people, <laughs> were people walking by like, "Is this man being abducted?" What? Like, were you getting funny looks? Yes, there were concerned looks, as if yeah, as if I was about to be taken away. Are they going to shove me in a suitcase or something? You couldn't receive, as of 306, you can't receive Jewish prayers or blessings, and you cannot eat with Jews as of the year 306. In the year 325, the Council of Nicaea rejected the biblical calendar. They rejected celebrating Passover, and they tried to divorce Resurrection Day with Passover. Now, just just an insider tip to those kind of Bible nuts out there, Resurrection Day is historically celebrated right around three days after the the crucifixion. So for for people like me, for for technocrats who really love the intricacies of Bible history, we we tend to keep those three days together. So a a crucifixion, and then a couple days later, a resurrection. That's how we, I mean, that's just in my mind, but the Catholics said, no, we must chop those days in half. Those Jews can do whatever they want with their Passover. Jesus, Jesus died on, on the Passover. And uh, we'll take Resurrection Day. We'll make it its own thing. They wanted desperately for it to not be connected with Passover. They, they doubled down on that again um, 20 years later. And I'll jump up to 787, which I think you're referring to. The Council of Nicaea too required Jewish believers in Yeshua. When, when you came to faith, you had to formally renounce and condemn observance of, first of all, the Sabbath. Hello, Ten Commandments. You had to renounce observance of the Sabbath. All biblical festivals. Wait, obeying the Bible? Yes, obeying the Bible. And all expressions of worship that they might could call Jewish. So at this point, they would say that Jesus and all New Testament believers were outside of their blessing and approval. So I'm just telling you this little story so that you understand the historical separation that happened because of the Catholic influence in in modern Christianity in general. This is why we left behind these Jewish practices, because it was against the law as far as as far as we all knew back then. Well, that's still in the Bible. And here's the funny thing, all the all of God's decrees, they're still there in the Bible. And all of these laws that the Catholics made up, those are gone and forgotten. So we're just living on tradition now, which is that we have this Frankenstein called Easter that's been created while we have left behind the biblical um, command to celebrate. Now, I'll just throw out we Gentile believers, uh, I'm only, I am 3% Jewish, ding, but um, really Gentile from Scotland and other places. 
But our, our, our hero king master, Jesus, you might have heard this, is Jewish. And he was Jewish when he was born. He lived as a Jew. He died as a Jew. Remember that old king of the Jews thing? And then he maintains his Jewish identity in eternity. And we are, according to Romans 11, if we've been born again, if we have any life or interest in Jesus, we have been grafted into a tree and we are branches grafted into this Jewish tree. And, and uh, Paul makes that very clear in Romans 11. You cannot escape that point being made in Romans 11. So our faith is a Jewish faith. I'm not Jewish, but I can say that my uh, king is Jewish. And I can say that my faith has Jewish roots. And so I don't have to pretend to be Jewish, nor am I pretending to be Jewish when I celebrate a, a Passover Seder. I, all I'm doing is going, here is something that God has put down whereby I can enter into it. I can celebrate the story, which is my story. Spiritually, it's my story of deliverance from uh, Egypt and how that represents my deliverance. So, and the last thing I'm going to say on this on this topic is that there is um, in, in Exodus when God said you're going to celebrate this Passover and you're going to do it forever. Um, I just want to read these verses um, starting in Exodus 12:14, and I'll jump to verse 24. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Ding, ding, ding. Everlasting ordinance. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. So that seems pretty definitive to me. And we, we also know, if you're like a Bible student on this subject, you know that we're going to celebrate Passover in heaven. Because what, what Jesus did as, as being the Lamb of God will never, will never stop being celebrated. So that's a little background of why we're trying to recapture this thing that has been lost. It's part of our faith. Um, it's not part of the law for us. I don't have to do it to be saved. But as I was saying to some friends, you don't have to do all sorts of things to be saved. Matter of fact, I'm not aware of a long list that you have to do to be saved at all, except to believe and receive. So that's not the question here. It's amazing how many times Western Christians go, well, am I going to go to heaven? I'm not going to go to heaven if I do it. Come on. That's not, that's not, that's like saying, well, do, do I have to be kind to my wife today? Will, will we be divorced if I'm not kind to her? No, you won't be divorced if you're not kind to her today. Okay. But that's not what it's about. It's about how to have a wonderful relationship. So, that's my setup. That's why we do it. Now, over to you, Mark. Yeah. So, Stephen, I think that I'm going to take you all the way back to 1999. Oh. Wow. To describe to you my first Passover experience, which happened in Reynosa, Mexico, mm. in an orphanage where I was building like walkways with pavers. And this is. At, at the moment, Reynosa is one of the, um, it's really like if you're into the cartel lifestyle, <laughs> this is one of your top cities to okay. visit. Because I was not aware of that. 
there's a lot to do if you enjoy the the international drug trade. Reynosa is a, is one of the places to be. Oh, that's um, great. Which makes it very interesting that as a sophomore or junior in high school, they just were like, "Okay, go to the neighborhood and knock on all these doors of these shacks and invite people to come to a church service later." Um, so <laughs> we were doing missions work and at the time I think it was probably pretty safe. Um, 1999, what group were you doing this with? My, my school, okay. um, Trinity Christian Academy. Okay. So Mike, this Singletary. was my, Mike yeah, one, Mike Singletary, head coach of the football team. <laughs> okay. Um, one of the, the things that the guy who was leading this did is he led us in a Seder. And it was the first time I had ever experienced that. I thought it was really meaningful and cool. And I didn't really think about it again until, I don't know, 10, 15 years later when I was married. I didn't have kids, but I wanted to try it again. And I emailed that teacher who was still teaching teaching high schoolers. Wow. And he sent me a paper copy of a Seder that was designed for believers. Yes. A Haggadah. Yes. Designed for believers in Yeshua. So we went through that with some friends, kind of muddled our way through it, did it a few times when we thought of it. It wasn't like a normal practice for Amelia and I, but um, I would say we started to get quite serious about it when when our youngest daughter was born. She is about to turn 12, um, and it became a regular every year thing, and the norm for me was this is a three, four hour around the table event where we're going to go through all of the components, deep meaning to every step. We're going to just flail our way through some transliterated (laughs) Hebrew talk. Um, Anyways, and it was great and candlelit and it would go until 1130 at night. It was great. That was fine when we had a baby because who cares? The baby, you just go put her in the bed and she's ba- she's asleep. Yeah. Um, it became a lot more challenging when we had a three-year-old who was mm. just old enough to like, hey, I want to be a part of this and way, way too young for a four-hour meal. Yes. So that's when I'm going to let you talk about kind of adaptations to the Haggadah. Yeah. But that's when we started experimenting with, can we do things a little differently? We've done this with a lot of holidays, you know, the, the Jesus storybook by, I don't know if they actually have the Esther story, but I found the Esther story in a kid's right. version. Yes, for we did that too. Um, this year, actually, I, my youngest is five. Um, and I've, uh, for Purim this year, we did the full book of Esther. So, they are capable at a younger age than you might think of some of this stuff, but you have to kind of make, make accommodations, I would say. Um, so we, we started adapting it for a couple of years. I was pretty bummed because it was always very, very kiddie. Yes. Um, your, your Seder for kids involves the singing of Pharaoh, Pharaoh. <laughs> yes. Um, which is probably the thing that I liked least about summer camp as a kid was Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Yes. yes. Um, so that was, that was um, kind of the, the next few years was kind of like, oh, we're doing it. That's cool. But 
it's a little bit kiddified. Yes. This year we started, we stepped into, uh, I would say an intermediate ground. We used a Haggadah that I purchased from friends of the Douglases. You, you yes. may remember Mark Douglas from the Abraham's wallet podcast. Yes. Um, or from being one of your best friends for yeah. many, I, much of I your life. I remember that too. Uh, he and his wife run several lifestyle websites that are all about beautiful, uh, intentional Jesus centered living. And they recommended this, this, uh, Haggadah to us that we purchased. And I would say it was good, but (laughs) you gotta, these are long documents. This is about 27 pages. Yes. You got to really go through that all and make sure that none of it directly contradicts the things that you were planning on doing. Because uh-huh. there was a few moments where I had to say, well, we're not going to do this part because it's not at all what I just said we were doing. Uh, <laughs> so there's been a lot of adaptations. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're an angry leftist on Twitter, then you find all of these to be uh, offensive and evidence oh, of cultural appropriation and violence. Yes. However, I would say, as I've talked to both Christian friends and my my buddy Jared the rabbi, much like your your airport friends, yeah. was delighted that we were experiencing some of these things and adapting them as needed to fit our belief in Jesus as Messiah. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of room here to to experiment. So that's kind of been our progression. We went super long and meaningful and uh, solemn and somber to super kid kidified Seder to a middle ground. And as we continue to get older with our kids, I think we'll end up maybe not quite so solemn and somber, but at, at a much longer event that my hope is, you know, when my kids are adults that we get to do this together and sit down for a four hour meal again. Right. Okay. So, so the, the one that you just did, how was that? I would say it was really good. Um, we, you know, we were doing it with a family who had never done one before. Um, they had actually a, a child who was four and he did great. He was participatory in the whole thing. I think I'm a little bit scary to some of our friends' kids because it's it's just known that I kind of run a tight ship at the dinner table. Right. Uh, when, pe- when people come over for Shabbat, we always put the sh in Shabbat for a while before we start. And I will never uh, correct other kids unless I know them real well. But But my kids... If they, uh, you know, grab a fork and drum a little bit during the the quiet intro, that's almost preferred because then it can be put on display that we don't take no, uh, oh. we don't take no messing around at the yeah. dinner table. So, I think whether it was no guff is what we like. No, to say. yeah, I didn't take guff from no one. Yeah, but. I, I don't know if it was out of love or fear, but the kids actually were super attentive to the whole thing. We ran it for about an hour of, okay. of Haggadah. And then I smoked myself a delicious leg of lamb on the Traeger. Great. Um, I did have to kind of intervene as the guests 
brought in a big homemade loaf of sourdough and I said, get your dirty chametz out of my house. Good for you. Passover. <laughs> Good for but, you. But uh, no. No, no uh, leavened bread. You can't have leavened bread. It's all matzah. Yeah. And we talked about that. You know, why didn't we bring the sourdough to the table? Well, it's because what does leaven represent? And the kids were like, oh, yeah, because we just put a little in when we made that bread and it got the whole thing rised and big. Wow, and that was great. a good teaching opportunity. So, yeah, yeah I, I I kind of make a big show of it. I'm walking around the table the whole time. I'm like, so last night, my job as the dad here was to walk around the house with a feather and a wooden spoon and look for any signs of leaven. <laughs> and why am I doing that? Well, because God wants us to search our hearts for sin. And you know what? We always find it. How do we deal with that? Can we sweep it all out? No, we can't. We need Jesus. And so um, I I kind of still trend a little bit towards, I'm going to explain this as if I'm talking to the youngest person. In sure. The world. Uh, and that went over well. And the parents, I think, were, were down with it. We did not sing Pharaoh, Pharaoh, though. Uh, I understand. Well, yeah, I, I think that's probably the, perhaps the main thing that I want people to take um, from this uh, discussion today is that there are lots of ways to do this. And the main thing that we're told to do, the, 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 the Seder, and that word just means order, the, the order, which is what your Haggadah tells you here, go through these steps. That's not given to us in scripture. It doesn't tell us how to do this. So basically all we have to work with is, well, these are people's traditions. Somebody's, and in fact, the yeah. Seder was not practiced until 70 AD. Um, so Jesus did not do anything similar to the Seder that we do. That was something that they basically said, let's start doing this when there's no longer a temple where we can sacrifice. Um, so After the temple was destroyed. Yeah, they did. They did have a Passover celebration, and we can tell based on Jesus's life that he did some of the things that we do. Uh, he broke bread and he he had cups. So we think there's probably cups in, involved in this remembrance. But did he have an egg and a bone on the table and some herbs and all this? Probably he didn't have any of those things. Right. But he did still remember the Passover and celebrate it. Right. So the plate, the plate is traditional. It's from traditions, not from scripture. Um, there's all these elements that, that you can take them or leave them They're, they, you know, whatever. And so, as you said, we have done, and, and again, my friend, John taught us how to do this. We have done the full-blown one where everybody at the table has various readings. There's worship music that's interspersed throughout it. Now, let, why don't we all respond to God based on this point? Let's sing this song together. The little skit with the spoon and the feather. There's candles. There's four cups of wine. There's this thing called the afikoman. There's this whole little thing around that. There's trivia. There's a little skit with Jesus cleaning out the, clearing out the temple with the animals and everything. And as you said, I mean, we like that. We, my, my wife likes to put on the, the beautiful table. We like to have a great meal. We like to like, this is the night when we get out the fanciest uh, china, etc. Um, but you can do it in so many different ways. So 
a couple of years ago, we found ourselves in Key West with friends um, on on this weekend. And they're like, well, we we're going to be there for the weekend. We wanted to go. We wanted to go to a um, sunrise uh, Easter service at the beach. Forgive me, Easter. But yeah, we did. Um, and we wanted to do something. Passover. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Can we can we pause? You're not telling me that you guys are poo-pooing Easter, are you? Oh, we yeah, we poo-poo Easter. Oh, gosh. This this puts you in the camp of those people who say, I don't celebrate Christmas with that pagan Yule log. I, no, no, no. no. I, I, we went to church this past weekend, and we, I, I just don't, I just wish, I don't know why we use that word. I mean, for me, to me, it's Resurrection Sunday. That's great. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, and I like pastel dresses and let's celebrate spring. And But uh, you still celebrate the resurrection of Christ that all of our forefathers have celebrated on Easter Sunday. You know, I do. I okay. Do. It's, a, it's a real natural thing to celebrate that after doing a Passover. That's uh, absolutely. That's my two cents. So we found ourselves in Key West. We want to do something Passover-y. So I made up this kitty version that would be like a fourth as long. And all, all we're told, I didn't ever finish my sentence, all we're told to do is remember that the Lord took his people out of Egypt and we're to describe that as a metaphor for we have been delivered and there was a Passover lamb given for us. There, I did it in a paragraph. You could do that in a paragraph too. You just have to tell that story. So that's what we did. We There's a little poem, a little cutesy poem, and it goes... Something like, every year we sit down for the Passover Seder and recall Egypt's Pharaoh, that Israeli hater. He enslaved the chosen of Jehovah's heart until God decided now they must depart. And the kids read the little story and it's the story of the, of the deliverance. And we sing silly songs like Pharaoh, Pharaoh. We sing silly songs like, take us all out of Egypt free us from slavery, bake us some matzo bread, bake in haste, give no thought to flavor, cause it's got no taste, so it's scoot, scoot, scoot to the Red Sea, if we don't cross then we'll die, so it's one, two, ten plagues, you're out, and we say bye, bye, oh, come on, that's it's cute. Yeah, it's cute, I think it made me it made me think of a quick tip. Can I just add a quick tip? Yeah. Um, I sort of was rushing through the store to get supplies this year, and I snagged the onion and chive matzah mm. instead of the normal. I just say don't do that. <laughs> it wasn't a, it wasn't a hit. Word it, to the wise. But tasted I, I, like onion. Listen, I while we're on the subject, there is something that I must tell you, you can get matzah that is plain. You can get matzah that is, simple word right here, salted. And the salted matzah makes all the difference in the world. Get the salted matzah. This this came up at our, at our Seder is that there are people out there who buy unsalted butter. But why, uh, you may ask yourself. I guess we've, for we've, done a, we've done whole episodes on spending money well. That is not spending money well. I, I uh, agree. I agree. So. 
So, All right, get back to it. Yeah, so we, we did a little version. It was really short. We just did we did funny songs, played some games as a part of it, and we just wanted to be inter- interspersed with fun. Now, this year, all of our plans were shot to crap. We, we, were, we, we need about two days to ready our house and get food ready and get in linens, and we rent a nice silver and et cetera. My wife's an event planner, so she has all that, all those connections. And we, we usually call in favors from florists and get professional flowers, and it's great. Um, we had to go to Texas because of a family emergency. As I said, we're in El Paso, so we had family. We had family coming in that was in town in Cincinnati before we were back from our emergency trip to El Paso. We got home the day that that we would have celebrated. And so we we said we're scrapping that plan. What we did was on Saturday night, not Friday night, on Saturday night, we got a private room at a restaurant, a very high-end restaurant in Cincinnati, a wonderful place. And we took the whole family out and did a compressed, I'd say it was half as long, um, in that room with family, it was a scrambling par. That um, we had to cut it down. There's servers in and out. We're getting interrupted. There's no place on the table for all of our stuff, and people are kind of juggling their scripture sheets around. There's no music, which I like to be a part of it. There was no, there's no, as you said before, there was no like bedrooms to send the the whining tired kids away to. It was just wasn't wasn't great but you know what it's fine i tell that story for people to know hey what it did for my wife was relieve her of all prep she didn't have to make anything it was fine we went somewhere else and i have to tell uh, two friends um did some amazing things one is my friend david valentine he lives in northern kentucky he made something he he instead of a seder they call their thing a fader which is a fake Seder. So they call it the Valentine Fader. And he walks through this. They, it's really fun. They're just a fun family. They they also made a beautiful table. That he sent me pictures. I'll put them up here. There's China and there's the nice glasses. And he's got laid out. He's a, he's a graphic artist. So he made printed materials laying on everybody's plate. And it's very nice. But they're also a really fun, jokey family. So there's they they did four questions, and he kind of did a layout, as you'll see in the pictures, a layout of their process. Um, but his four there. This is another kind of traditional thing: is kids asking four questions, and one of their questions was, "Dad, we usually have delicious loaves of bread. Why are we eating these crappy crackers?" That's actually on the printed material. That's one of the questions they asked. And they just do it lighthearted and fun, but they do it. And he says, it's really important for our family. We love it. Um, our friends, the Beausageurs, who have, who have been on here multiple times, they have seven kids under age nine. And um, Sammy's uh, quote was, I wanted Passover to be so great. Now, forgive me. You don't have to agree with this. This is just what she said. I want it to be so great and so fun that my kids will never think of asking me for another Easter egg hunt again. 
That was her goal. I want this to be so fun. And so they made it an absolute jamboree and they had extended family. They had about 18 people at their house. They had for every like one point or less that was made, there was a prize. Somebody get a prize. They would ask kid. Now, what did I just say? What's the one? Oh, you got it right. Hey, here's an eraser for you. You know, and everything was a prize. They had, they had um, musical chairs as part of their deal. I think mom and dad both had like, okay, there's, here's a silly hat and you're going to be Pharaoh and kind of like you would do a, at Purim. Here's a, here's a hat for you. And they really just made it a big fun festival. And they just said everybody loved it and they were exhausted at the end of the night. So anyways, all of that yeah. to say, it can be very austere and very holy and it can also just be great. It doesn't matter how you do it. Let's just remember the story. My my kids delighted me because we had the next we did ours on Saturday and the next morning was Easter, um, Resurrection Sunday as some have come to call it. Thank you, Mark. Uh, and Grandma brought over like Easter bunny eggs, and there was not much, but a little bit of that kind of Easter uh, tchotchke stuff yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And the cousins had all had Easter baskets and my kids were confused and not fussy. And they were like, why would we, why would we do baskets or egg hunts? This is Passover. Like, this is just the, the last part of the Passover. Wow. And I thought we're winning here. This is great. <laughs> because, That's right. That's right. Um, well, you're building a culture one way or the other. You're always building culture. A culture of Passover and a little bit of judgment of the cousins. I would like to think of it as Passover and passive aggressive regarding Easter. Fair. <laughs> okay, that's it. I just wanted, I, I wanted us today to kind of talk about some, what does it look like in our lives? Um, no big heavy teaching today except to go like, I think this is important. This is something God has given his people. It's eternal. It's going to always happen. You can opt into it. We think you should. We think it's a good way to create culture in your home. It's a good way to train your children in the biblical story. It's not a law. Um, and you can put as much or as little effort into, into it as you need to. And I know that you were listening to this and you're thinking, am I really supposed to put this in my hat and pull this out 11 months from now for the next time we do Passover? And the answer to that is yes, that is what you're supposed to do. So we wanted to give you stories from the field and tell you what it's like in real time in our world and encourage you that uh, this time next year, you're celebrating Passover with your family. That's right. And I, I think that's the the encouragement to any of these things that we talk about, whether it's how to do a Sabbath meal or any of these holidays, or if you're going to try and read the Bible with your kids, it's so important not to let the the perfect be the enemy of the something, right? Yeah. And I, I just, especially in times with little kids, we've said it a thousand times here. If you're going to do a Sabbath meal, it's okay to go buy a pizza and light a candle. And that's a great starting point. And with this, um, you know, you might go get yourself a jug of Welch's grape juice and uh, go download our little Haggadah from, from the website and say, let's do 10 minutes of special, special Shabbat meal this week and call that a Passover. Great. 
Um, so just do something is kind of my encouragement. Great. All right. Thanks, Mark. And I know you got sick kids, so I'll let you get to them. Yep. I'm going to go fill them with ibuprofen and, uh, you know, (laughs) movies, I guess. (laughs) Well, God bless you. God bless you. All right. See ya. Adios.